may or may not be aware, you know, the Charles Dickens classic uh, from the 1840s in London is where that whole story comes from. Um, Ebenezer Scrooge, you may not be aware, for for 35 years, really right up until COVID, our church hosted a Broadway-style play um, with that character, Ebenezer Scrooge. And so um, the last year we had Scrooge, you might not have caught the joke, uh, his bed on this stage caught on fire. And so that, that's why he was looking for a bed. You, you might not have known that history, but anyway, it was part of it. I did want to give you a little bit of background um, on this character as one of the stars of Christmas. Dickens described Ebenezer Scrooge as a man who was squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. He was a cold and calculating man who cared about only two things, uh, making money and saving money. Now, the question we have is, how did Scrooge get that way? You know, everybody's got a story. Well, um, Scrooge was abandoned as a child because his parents were so poor they couldn't pay their debts, and he decided then as a child he never wanted anything like that to happen to him again. And so like most of us do when something's broken in our childhood, we overcorrect it in our adult life. And that's what he did. He overcorrected it. And rather than thinking he just needed enough to be uh, stable, he overdid it and there was no amount that was ever enough for him to feel stable. So that's how he became that he, the way that he was. He was a legitimate businessman. He didn't you know, break the law or anything. What he did was legal. It just wasn't moral. Um, he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps, and he expected everybody else to do the same. He didn't need charity from anybody, and he couldn't figure out why anybody else would ever need charity, so he wouldn't give it away. Now, what he didn't know is um, nobody wanted to be around him because he became a, a greedy, you know, selfish, grouchy old man, but he didn't see himself that way. He thought he had won the game, but everybody around him saw him differently than he saw himself. Scrooge never broke any laws, but he did break the two greatest commandments. The first one is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. The second one is, love your neighbor as yourself. And he didn't do either one of those. So you know how the story goes. Three spirits visit him throughout the night, and they show him the past, the present. The last one shows him the future. And in this future reveal... He sees who he really is, and he sees how his life is going to end. And that, that shakes him and leads him to a moment of blinding clarity. Now, if you were to try to guess, try to decide, what is the moment of blinding clarity that we have received along the human timeline? In other words, from the beginning of human history until now, if you could only pick one moment to say this was a moment of blinding clarity for humanity, what would you say it was? I would say it was Christmas. I would say it was the time that Jesus came to earth. I would say it was the moment that God took on a human form and came to the earth as a baby in order that he might awaken us to the fact that he came to personally introduce each one of us 
to God the Father. As Pastor Jeremy said a minute ago, Jesus is the exact representation. He's the exact reflection. In other words, if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did is exactly how God thinks and talks and acts. And so I would say that would be the moment of blinding clarity. That's why we say today, you know, Jesus is the true star of Christmas. I mean, if I were to ask you who that is because we're at church, we all know what we're supposed to say. The question is not, do you know the right answer? The question is, is Jesus the real star, the true star of your life? That's a little bit different question. But Jesus is still working today to introduce the Father to each one of us. Now, I'm going to just give you this morning three ways that he does that. Here's the first one. He opens our eyes to see Jesus and his work more clearly. See, the Bible teaches that all of humanity is, is born blind. We're born blind into a world that's blind, into a, into a human, a sea of humanity that's functioning in absolute blindness. And so one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he works on each and every one of us all over the world in all times to try to give us sight, to try to open our eyes so that we might see, so that we might see God, so that we might see Jesus for who he is and who he was. We might see his work and we might understand who God is through the person of Jesus. And so he works on our eyesight and he works on our vision that we might be able to see that God is actually the creator of the good things that are in our life. That the people that have been stationed around our life or have passed through our life that have loved us or cared for us or offered us moments of support, those are actually God's work. And the times that our needs were met and we've been sustained through hard times, it was him behind it doing it all along, even when we didn't know. He's trying to work on our eyesight. And he's trying to get us to see how empty pursuing success and uh, material gain wealth, trying to, trying to gain popularity or become an influencer in thinking, if I could just become popular enough, then I would somehow be satisfied. Or if I had enough power, if I had enough decision-making ability where nobody had to decide anything for me ever again, I could make all my decisions myself, then I would be, you know, fulfilled. And he tries to open our eyes to see that we can spend our whole life chasing those things and come to the end of it and realize we're actually no better off. He also works on our vision to try to get us to see who we really are without him. Weighted down with burdens. Trying to resolve issues of our heart that we don't have the ability to resolve. We try to fix ourselves. We try to fix other people. We try to fix our children. We try to fix our spouse. We try to fix our family. We try to fix our job. We try to fix the other parts of the world, great causes in the world. And what we're oftentimes doing is we're reaching and attempting and crying out to actually fix ourselves. But we don't have the ability to fix our own heart. And, and what he does is the Holy Spirit tries to open our eyes to see the freedom and the joy that we can have in Jesus. 
He tries to open our eyes to see the forgiveness and the peace that we can have in Jesus. Earlier this year, I um, went to the eye doctor. And like, you know, probably a lot of us, I haven't really kept my appointments very steady lately because, you know, we've been in a pandemic and all that. And so I decided, you know, I think that my eyes are a little different. I think maybe I should go and have them checked. And so finally I got around to doing that. And the eye doctor said to me, she said, uh, you're, you're going to need prescription glasses. And I said, wait a minute, I'm, you know, I'm too young for that. I don't, I don't need glasses. What are you, what are you talking about? You're talking about somebody else. She said, you're going you're gonna to need glasses. And I said, well, okay, it probably won't make a difference, but I'll, I'm sure you're right, and you know, you, you, you know what you're doing, so I'll, I'll get them. What I didn't know, how many, of you have, how many of you have prescription glasses? Okay, yeah, okay, well, we're in the majority now, I just want you to know. <laughs> so, so I went, and I didn't know what you have to go through to have that. I thought, okay, you've got the prescription, it's over. Well, then you've got to, like, find some frames that match your face. And apparently, I'm in like 0.0001% of all humans on earth with head shape size. <laughs> because we tried everything they had on the wall twice, and they were like, well, you know, you know. I think they were too nice to tell me, your head's not made for glasses. <laughs> and so what they finally settled on, I think, without telling me is, let's just try to make them as invisible as possible. You know, maybe if we can hide them, that's the best thing we have. So I brought my glasses this morning, you know, for you to see, because I wanted you to see what happened. So look at that. Do you believe that? You can't even, oh, no, that's not it. Okay, okay, okay. All right, I'm, I'm just joking. So I brought these uh, this morning just so you could kind of see, um, you know, what they, did, what they did to me. And it's got, it's, yeah, you see that? Well, you, you, don't, you don't know the journey, you know what I mean? You're just seeing the end result. And so I'm, I think I'm nearsighted. I think that's what it's called because I can read and all that, but I can't see if, a long way away. Those of you in the back, I haven't seen you in two or three years. You don't know that. <laughs> but I haven't seen, oh, there you are. Oh, no, I, no, I got you now. Oh, it's a whole new day. I got you. I got you now. But my life began to change dramatically. Like I got in the car and I, I was missing whole words. Like, I didn't, I didn't know what, what I was missing. I, I, I look at the TV, you know, you put Netflix up. I couldn't even tell whose account I was on because it was too far away, and I got in the car, and these road signs, you know, were, were, and I thought, are these magnifying glasses? Did I see that clear at one point? And I, I was actually surprised at the difference that it made in my life. I was shocked. Let me, can I tell you something else? I never would have thought when I started my relationship with Jesus how much it would change my life. I didn't know. But I started to see things I didn't see before. I started to see different. I started to see myself differently. I started to see other people differently. I started to see God differently. I started to see the world differently. Opinions and ideas that I had held in my mind started to shift. My heart started to open. Things that were inside me, buried from a long time ago, I didn't know where they were, started to come to the surface. I mean, you would be amazed how different my life was once my eyes were open, once I allowed Jesus to do the work that he had been trying to do in my life. And that was just let me see. I didn't know what I couldn't see until I could see. And that's how it works. We don't know what we can't see 
until we can see. And so maybe you're like me. You've been tempted at some point in your life just to think, can't we just decide to see better? Isn't it just an intellectual decision? If not being able to see enough is the issue, then shouldn't I be able to just, you know, make a decision to see deeper or concentrate more or focus? Shouldn't that really be all there is to it? You know, there was a very um, influential and powerful religious leader who was incredibly educated and intelligent uh, in Jesus' time who came to him and asked a similar question. And I just want to read to you today the answer that Jesus gave to him because I think it's relevant to us today. Jesus replied in John 3, 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You and I don't have the ability. It's a work we cannot do for ourselves Jesus has to do it for us. It's a work of sight. Spiritual sight is a work of the Holy Spirit. You and I can't do it for ourselves, and you know what? He won't force it upon us. We have to allow it. We have to receive it. We have to be open to it. We have to say, okay, okay, God, I want to see. Lord, I know you're trying. I can see little glimpses and flashes, and I know you're working on my vision that I might see. God, open my eyes so that I can see. I did that when I was 15 years old, about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I've been shocked how it's changed my life. I wish I, wish I had all day to tell you because I could fill the entire day with the ways my life are different, incredibly and entirely different. Scrooge had a moment like that. It's when those three spirits came. And he had this moment where he went from not being able to see to being able to see. And God wants to help all of us to see. Now here's the second way that Jesus is still working today to introduce God to us. Number two, he opens our ears so we can hear his call to a life of great purpose. You know in the story and in the play that we did Scrooge found great purpose. He, he, and it started with Tiny Tim, who, if you remember, was crippled. And Scrooge paid for Tiny Tim's uh, medical procedures, the best, the best that he could get in London. Uh, and, it, and Tiny Tim recovered. And Scrooge learned a, a lot of other things. He began to move across London and express great generosity. And you know what he learned? He learned that he had a purpose that he never understood before. And here's what he learned. He had actually been blessed so that he could be a blessing. And he didn't know that. He didn't know he had this fantastic purpose. Do you know that God has given each one of us an incredible purpose? Jacob Marley tried to tell him, he would say, Scrooge, humankind is our business. God has called you, he's called me. It doesn't matter how close you are to God, it doesn't matter how far away you are from God, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. God has a call on your life to live a life of great purpose, not just to chase things all your life trying to find satisfaction but actually to make a difference I was shocked that's one of the things that changed in my life really early when I asked Jesus into my life and I began to follow him with just in a few months 
Jesus began to lead me and, and kind of show me the ways that he wanted to use me to help other people. And it really threw me off. I had no context to understand that. I was not prepared for that at all. And it really kind of threw me off. I thought, God, I thought this whole thing was just about forgiveness and going to heaven and a relationship with, with me and you. And that was the thing. And as God began to speak to me and guide me and lead me, and then I landed here <laughs> you know, doing this. But you, you, it would be hard for me to describe for you how far I, away I was from anything like what I'm doing today. Because I didn't know that God had a great purpose for me. But early in my relationship with him, he began to tell me, show me and guide me and step by step and day by day. And it's not because I'm me, it's because he's him. And he has an incredible purpose he has an eternal, life-giving, and incredible purpose for your life to make a difference. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says it like this. For we are God's masterpiece. Oh, I love that. I love that word, and I love that verse. God has a portrait. He has a design that he's painted on the blank canvas of your life that you might be useful. He's given you these colors and he's given you this personality and he's given you gifts and he's given you strengths. He's given you resources and he's given you abilities that you might make a difference. I mean, I mean, how empty of a legacy is it that I just lived and lived for myself and got what I could get and got to the end and now it's all over? Any legacy that endures past any time at all, all has to do with the impact that you and I make on other people. It's not how good our life was. It's how big a difference we made in other people's life. And so this verse says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us a long time ago. God, Jesus is still revealing God the Father by working on our hearing so that we might hear the purpose that he's called us to. Now here's the last one. He transforms hearts so that we can be new people. Do you know the whole reason that Jesus and the Holy Spirit works on our eyes and works on our ears is so that he might touch our heart? That's what it's all about. He tries to get us to see, tries to get us to hear, so that our heart might be transformed, our heart might be made new in him. Scrooge's whole life was changed. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone, anyone, listen, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has come. It doesn't mean that um, you become a better version of the person you already are. That's not what it means. It means you become a new person. You become a different person. You are not the same person that you once were. You were dead and you come to life. You were in darkness and you come into the light. You were broken and you become whole. That's what it means. You become a new person. You become a, a, a you get a new start. Jesus is the star of Christmas because he's the only one that can change a person's life and heart. He's the only one. None of the other characters that we enjoy can do it.
So, so this morning, I've just got a, um, a few questions for you, okay? Is it possible that Jesus has been trying to help you to see something, to see some part of him or his work that you haven't seen? Is it possible that God has been trying to help you hear something he's been trying to say to you that you haven't heard yet? Is it possible that God is trying to transform your heart but you haven't fully, you haven't fully given it to him yet? I want you to think about that. And actually what I'm going to ask you to do is even take a minute and pray about it. Would you just stand with me this morning? We're going we're gonna to sing uh, one more song. And as we're singing it, I'm going to ask you to even, you know, however you want to do it, but I'm going to ask you to even pray. Just pray. Just as we sing this song, just pray and ask, God, are you, are you talking to me? Are you... Are you trying to get me to see something? Are you, do you, are you asking me to give my heart to you? Is there some work that you came to do in my life today?